Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So this is not a shock to us at all. Uh, what's being called a catastrophic nationwide teacher shortage. And the uh, WAPO, which of course looks at the problem wrong because they're the WAPO, but the facts remain. We'll get to the stuff they got wrong in a minute. But they start with rural districts in Texas switching to four-day weeks due to a lack of staff. Florida is asking veterans with no teaching background to enter classrooms. Arizona is allowing college students to step in and instruct children. And then they go uh, to a, du- a bunch of different places. But the teacher shortage in America has hit crisis levels. And school officials everywhere are scrambling to ensure that as students return to classrooms, there's going to be somebody to educate them. I know Two people personally that quit their jobs as teachers. And teaching, as you know, is as much a vocation as a job. It's something you do because you're kind of compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. You plan to do it for a long time. And both these people quit because not because of the money. That's what's always thrown out there. Need more, higher pay. It's always because of the freaking hassle or the current rules situation where you can't discipline anybody. That's why people quit. Right. Right. And of course, the WAPO uh, goes into that and they mention pay and they mention culture wars where certain parents are trying to get discussions of racism banned and the pressure on the teachers. That argument is so dishonest and or or just ignorant. It's like if if I instituted some sort of new program to teach kids that Nazism is really the way to go. 
It's never been in the schools. It's never, it wasn't part of my curriculum, wasn't part of my kids' curriculum a decade ago. But now there's this new up with Nazism curriculum. And then if some student, some parents say, whoa, hey, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. Teaching the kids to revere Hitler and fascism in general? Then those parents who say that are branded by the Washington Post and the New York Times as uh, parents who are trying to ban books and, and restrict what teachers can teach. Yet you're the ones who brought that filth into the classroom, the whole anti-racism garbage and critical race theory and queer theory and the rest of it. So anyway, but uh, end of tangent, back to the teacher shortage. I I think it's... The opposite. There are so many teachers, and we brought this up a couple of times uh, in the last several months of the show, a couple of years, and asked for your emails, uh, which you can certainly send now, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Why did you leave teaching? Or why are you going to leave teaching? Why do you think about leaving teaching? Why are your your colleagues leaving teaching? And uh, And the numbers are just spectacular. I mean, Nevada, which has like, you know, two and a half cities, um, and then a hell of a lot of desert, uh, estimates that roughly 3,000 teaching jobs are unfilled and school's about to start. 88% of school districts in Illinois were found having problems with teacher shortages. 88%. It's unbelievable. So let me name check what the Washington Post says is, is at the root of it. Then I want to read an email to you. But uh, why are America's schools so short-staffed? Experts point to a confluence of factors, including pandemic-induced teacher exhaustion, that's true. The whole remote learning. And then you come back to the classroom. Um, and, and the, of course they don't mention this because they don't talk to actual teachers and actual parents and actual students in your media elite. They don't, they don't slum it like that, like we do. The kids came back to the classroom unprepared to learn, undisciplined. They forgot how or the young kids. They missed out on kindergarten and first grade. All of a sudden, they're second graders. They've never been in a classroom. Yeah, I got a friend who's a second grade teacher and said it was by far the hardest year ever. Because everybody she had had never been to school before. So, of course, the WAPO says the uh, pandemic-induced teacher exhaustion, low pay. That's not new. And some educators sense that politicians and parents, and sometimes their own school board members, have little respect for their profession amid an escalating educational culture war that has seen many districts and states pass policies and laws restricting what teachers can say about U.S. history, race, racism, gender, and sexual orientation, as well as LGBTQ issues. So, of course, they paint it as these reactionary lunatic parents trying to restrict what's taught and not as insanity that's never been in our classes is suddenly being taught. Well, it's completely anecdotal, but I don't know any teachers that are leaving the profession because of that. And even I if can't talk about racism the way I'd like to. And even if no. there are, i got to believe there are just as many who would be leaving because they're forced to teach some of that stuff that they can't stomach. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I would guess those numbers are, are uh, disproportionately in favor of what you just indicated. Although, you know, your colleges, your universities, and your teacher colleges in particular are so far left right now, I can't speak to young teachers and their attitudes. But we got this note. I'm a California high school teacher attempting to weather the waves of woke insanity that are slowly sleeping down from the state and the UC system and invading our schools. My school district has always been middle of the road and until recently had avoided creating a diversity, equity, and inclusion office. All that's changed, and with it, we're now facing an existential threat to our ability to teach our students. Our school board has recently committed to implementing a new student bill of rights. The bill of rights was written by a group of students with the aid of a liberal activist group by the name of Jen Up. 
Up, Generation Up. You heard of these people? It contains a bevy of liberal poison pills designed to give complete control of the classroom curriculum and disciplinary process to woke policies and the students. The policies would effectively allow students to come and go as they please, require woke curriculum and, quote, culturally responsive teaching, remove a parent's right to be informed when their child faces mental health issues revolving around gender, ban, quote, Eurocentrism, allow students to wear any clothing that they wish, Mandate restorative practices, that whole restorative justice thing. Institute policies uh, to allow students to go after teachers who don't toe the line and report them, and much more. Uh, he pasted the, the copy of, uh, you know, the rough outlines of it. And then uh, it appears that this uh, information was not well distributed to parents. And the teacher survey pre- presents each of the rights in a simplified format, saying things like, do you support a student's right to free speech without actually giving the details of what the right and what it would entail? This means it's entirely possible that many teachers who support the bill in the survey don't realize what it will actually do. So. That is a new wave in education. Sure. You combine that with the kids who don't know how to learn anymore, the, the fact that, and, and we've seen this growing over the years, the whole, how dare you discipline my little Johnny or give my little Jenny a B? She worked very hard. You give her an A. Uh, how the hell can you teach? I remember anyway, when we talked about you, this several years back, it was a whole bunch of teachers saying that the, 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 the amount of paperwork you have to fill out has changed so much. Over the years, people have been teachers a long time. Just form after form after form after form so you're complying with all these different f- new things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got another note. I don't have it handy, but it w- it went through. So you got the little Johnny's in the class, and he's not doing the work. He's doing terrible. He's, he's not passing or whatever. And the n- number of steps the teacher has to go to, uh, contact the school counselor. School counselor has to contact the parents. The teacher and the counselor have to sign off on forms saying the parent has been contacted. Then they have to have an intercession where the teacher offers other ways to pass the grade, blah, blah, blah. It's hours of work. If you have three kids who are screwing off in the class, it is hours and hours of work the teacher has to do just to fill out the forms to prevent little Johnny, who doesn't do any of the work, from failing and if little johnny is in a historically disenfranchised uh, group forget it your job is to somehow find a way for little johnny to skate or we will ruin your career for you it's just unreal nobody's compelled to be in a vocation that is paperwork you're compelled to be in a vocation that is sitting in the classroom at the you know at the end of the day helping some little kid who's struggling to read learn how to read that's what that's what gets you into an a vocation like that. Sure. And yeah. the paperwork's driving those people out. It would be, be so painful to look back over your day, you know, and agree or disagree. If you're having this experience, text line 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. But if you were picturing yourself helping kids learn, and all of a sudden all you do is fill out paperwork to comply with various levels of equity or whatnot, it'd be a completely different thing. Well, and it's not merely paperwork. It's paperwork uh, espousing a philosophy you f- probably find abhorrent, which makes it extra miserable. If you want to drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Tell us how it is at your district, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. But, uh, you know, the whole, uh, the, the best way to discredit progressive policies is to implement them, which I've said many times. We're seeing it in crime and the woke DAs and the rest of it. But it's particularly painful to watch it unfold with the little children because there's only one period in your life where you can learn like a child, just soaking up knowledge like a sponge. And, man, if they miss out on that, they're screwed. 
Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Institute for Justice just put out a report called Barriers to Business, which analyzed 20 U.S. cities for how easy it is to open five different types of businesses. Uh, to cover a range, those businesses included a restaurant, a retail bookstore, a food truck, a barber shop, and a home-based tutoring business. Entrepreneurs who want to start a restaurant, for example, have 13 different fees totaling about $5,300 on average across 20 U.S. cities. But in San Francisco, the fees reach $22,650. And those costs and regulatory hurdles are in addition to the normal costs and work of opening a restaurant. So that's just money you have to give the government. Uh, they also looked at the number of regulatory steps and the number of government agencies it took to open a business. And this, it, it, it was funny, I've never thought about this because I've never opened that sort of retail business before, but on average across the 20 cities it took 55 steps and 8 different government agencies just to open a barber shop. And if the cost and time burden weren't enough, the report found that in many of the cities, it wasn't even clear what all the requirements were to start a business. For example, they analyzed if the city gave entrepreneurs a one-stop shop to open a business. A portal you go to, for instance, that says, okay, you need to get your zoning thing and you're thinking, da, da, da. or some, a lot of cities, you got to figure that out on your own. You've got to chase down all the different agencies oh, and yeah. spend uh, tens or hundreds of hours doing that sort of thing. God, I got a friend who opened up a brewery and all his stories about doing that, chasing down the various this and that stood. I can't believe he had the drive to even follow it through. Man, you got to really, really want to start a business to put out that kind of effort. It's amazing how many parts of the country actually seem like they don't want businesses to start. Right. They're hostile to the idea of business. What would make you hostile to businesses? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I just read an interesting article uh, by an attorney. Well, it was uh, an attorney passed it on. He said, I kind of hesitated to send this along because I am an attorney. But they made the point that the Democratic Party in particular is almost entirely lawyers. They look at all the presidents and vice presidents, uh, the leaders of the Senate and the House and the rest of it. The Republicans have been overwhelmingly business people up until very, very recently. Um, and... There is an attorney slash bureaucrat slash paper pusher uh, class of people who have a very different view of the world than entrepreneurs, business people, service providers. Um, and, and they seem to have a, cont- a contempt for those who would cook up hamburgers and sell them to people. I had dinner table events. I told this story when it happened many years ago, but I know many of you have not heard it. Um, the only time I ever considered opening any sort of business, and uh, l- luckily that fire was stamped out by bureaucrats, so I'll never, you know, dare to think it again. But w- we bought this farm that had a giant horse barn and a lot of horse stalls, and just seemed like, you know, why not board horses? I uh, got all this, uh, you know, property and horse stalls, and all the, the hard part I've got done. So I went to look into doing that, and the person at the county rattled off the list of things that I was going to have to do to be able to board horses and the and and it was just it was it was just onerous with the uh, uh wheelchair access ramps 
and the earthquake retrofitting and you know not to mention all just the other regular permits and all this different stuff. but the main the main thing that sticks in my mind the takeaway was the tone of the person at the county their tone was and the look on their face was so oh, you you child you think you're going to start a business oh yeah well have you thought of this have you thought of this it was almost a delight well it wasn't almost it was clearly a delight in bringing me up to speed in how wrong I was right. that it was going to be easy to start a business. Why would you delight in telling somebody who wants to start a business who would then make money and pay taxes and you might, might have an employee or two? Why would you delight in making sure, oh, yeah, you think you're going to start a business, do you? Well, you've thought of this. Have you thought of that? Do you know what this costs? Do you know what that costs? Okay, now you go home and think about it. Why would you delight in stopping people from starting businesses? Because you're exercising power over another human being. You think that's it? I think that's as simple as that. It was so weird. It's like, I, I, I remember thinking, why are you enjoying so much trying to convince me not to do this? You know, it, it's it's funny. I could throw around a couple of quotes, uh, the Ayn Rand quote about when you grow rich, not by producing, but by uh, forming connections with the government. Um, or John Steinbeck, I was reminded of his famous quote. I guess this is why I hate governments. It's always the rule, the fine print, carried out by the fine print men. There's nothing to fight, no wall to hammer with frustrated fists. It's it's that. Well, they succeeded. The fine print men. They succeeded in the case of me that time, or just thought, you know, whatever. It ain't worth it. I thought I'd make a couple hundred bucks, be kind of fun, but whatever. Yeah, good job. Nice. Yeah. And, and how often does that happen? And our friend Tim Sandifer, that's what he says. There's no way to measure, no possible way to measure how many people like me have thought of maybe I'll start this and then get beaten down and, and give up. There's no way right. to measure how many businesses don't get started because of all the freaking regulation and rules. The number of jobs that never exist. Exactly. So to get back to the study, um, none of the cities received a five out of five for one stop shop. Birmingham, Alabama, De- Des Moines received a zero. I'd have thought Des Moines would be better. Good Midwestern folk. Atlanta, Detroit, New Orleans, New York, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco came close four out of five. But they point out that uh, simply looking at one factor is not enough. Sure, San Francisco makes it relatively easy to navigate the process, but does that, that doesn't make up for the enormous cost. Yeah, yeah, the uh, process is impossible. They just they they do a good job of steering you toward the process that you can't overcome. So yeah, you don't get any credit for that. So for instance, remember in San Francisco, it was going to cost you what uh, twenty two six fifty twenty two thousand six hundred and fifty dollars to open a restaurant. Now in Raleigh, North Carolina, one of the fastest growing regions in the country, uh, their one stop shop criteria they're not good. They're one out of five. But instead of twenty four thousand dollars or whatever, it's going to cost you thirteen hundred dollars in fees to open a restaurant. Yeah, I think they're measuring this wrong. Okay, you don't maybe you don't need a one stop shop if there's just a couple of small fees involved. Uh, yeah, the report correctly observes, quote, you shouldn't need a law degree to start the small business nope. of your dreams. No, you shouldn't, but you do. Or you gotta so. hire people, which is, you know, the cost of starting the thing. So in addition to buying the building, the property, the, 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 the grills, the whatever you're gonna need to run a business, this is just the BS stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, just fighting the government and paying them fees so you can open a business and create jobs. And then pay them taxes. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. You know, when uh, I was raising my three kids, who are now uh, young adults, uh, I used the parlance of today's youth, because they are today's youth. And I used to tell them, you got to be willing to suck at something. I said, don't worry about being bad at stuff. And hmm. I'm I'm glad I taught them that. I hope I taught them was, that well enough. What was your intent with that? Uh, don't get discouraged if things are hard at first. Mm. Mm. Don't don't look okay. at other people who are really good at it and think, wow, look at me. I'm not very good at it. I'll never be good at it. You um, weren't so you weren't thinking suck permanently. Okay, that's no. the way I was looking at it. No, don't be afraid, uh, yeah, to be bad at something at first. That was the ultimate, okay. you know, lesson. Um, and, and I came across this piece in Axios, which actually kind of distills down several pieces of journalism that I thought was really good. And it made me, because I, I've already believed this, but this really drove it home in a way that I'm going to try to live up to. Um, the headline is do things you're bad at 
And they get into a bunch of different reasons why. They're in, there's incredible merit in chasing hobbies you're not very good at. We have all value excellence and success and productivity, but doing hard things sharpens our minds and our bodies, keeps us grounded. Um, and then they, they actually go into, Jack, a, a, an article in the New York Times that you and I talked about a great deal that came out in 2018 that was talking about America's obsession with, like, being great at your hobby and turning it into a job. Yeah, if you're making money at it, if you're not going to make money at it. What's the point? Which is the, the not the way hobbies have been looked at throughout history. Yeah, yeah, and they get into um, it's not only okay, but it's good for us to do things purely for ourselves. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm believing. I'm going to believe this at the end, but I'm still not playing golf. I'm just telling everybody that right now. Well, yeah, there are limits. Um, if you if it's something you're bad at and it fills you with anger and rage, <laughs> and it's expensive. And is expensive and time consuming. <laughs> uh, maybe you find something else. Uh, anyway, uh, da, 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 da. so they use uh, running as a case in point, uh, setting modest goals and stuff like that. I found that kind of a, like a detour off the main thread of the thing. Although I, I can attest to that one. Absolutely. I had to fight that all the time because I run slow. And every time I would talk about running a race and somebody asked my time, I'd tell it would just be endless mockery. Okay, well, how fast did you run the freaking race? You didn't run it at all. I mean, it was better to be running slowly than not. But I think a lot of people probably don't run because they would be on the slow end. Well, that's yeah. crazy. You know what? You're right. And this uh, journalist actually uh, points out that she set a goal to run at least 10 miles a week. And I'm. she points out, I'm not a naturally gifted athlete. The miles I run are slow and steady, and I'm never going to be a champion runner. But sticking to my goal has vastly improved my mental and physical health. Sure. Um, more importantly, I'm much braver when it comes to challenging myself and trying even more new things. I've found that runners who are a lot fitter and faster than I'll ever be respect me a great deal for even trying. Um, and And that is... One of the main points that I re-dedicated myself to. Um, for, well, first they mentioned that pushing yourself to learn new skills, especially as you get older, is a great way to uh, continue your mental and physical health and push off the risk of dementia. Do something challenging, a puzzle, a game, whatever. If you feel yourself yourself getting frustrated... And this could be a hobby, uh, like I'm terrible at, at the visual arts. And I had an artist the other day, I was in a conversation, practically yell at me, saying, try it, express yourself, don't worry if you're any good. And I and I was thinking, well, that'd be frustrating. And, oh, wait a minute, that's the feeling you're looking for, not at the point that you're helicoptering golf clubs and <laughs> screaming the F word in public. <laughs> But that's the feeling you're looking for, that feeling of, why can't I find this word? Um, Oh, and then this is the point that really got me. Struggling or even failing is one of the most effective ways to overcome fear and boost creativity. That's interesting. I didn't know that. It also, uh, and doing things we're bad at teaches us to stay humble and laugh at ourselves. There was a, a huge study, I remember, and again, it was the New York Times that when they're not being wildly, stupidly biased, does some pretty good journalism. <laughs> and it was a giant study of kids, and they found the number one indicator of success was the kids had tried and failed at something, huh. or multiple somethings, and far from 
discouraging people to ever try again. It teaches people that wasn't so bad. Well, that's interesting. I'd have to think about that in my own life because I've failed at lots of things. <laughs> it's a little counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But if you have failed at a number of things, it's probably it probably automatically makes it less intimidating to try something else new because I've tried all kinds of things new and been bad at them. Well, right. You find out it's not a fatal problem. Now, maybe you try to be four. <laughs> no, that's not where I was going. Uh, maybe it's one of those genetic. Uh, you're you're either naturally a cheery person or you're naturally kind mm. of uh, more negative. Um, maybe you're the sort of person who greets failure with, I'll do something else. You know, I was just thinking, I think, uh, and this is not a positive, one of the reasons I've been willing to try things and fail at them, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks. <laughs> so, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing. I don't care what you think. Right, right. Well, that's handy in a lot of ways, especially, oh, my gosh, one of the side articles that you link to through this article is uh, a discussion of perfectionism, which is something neither you nor I has ever suffered from. No, I I do not struggle with perfectionism. <laughs> but they talk about, I mean, there's some heart-rending stories about people who just are amazing and do amazing things, and they end up miserable or committing suicide or whatever because they fell short of their own just crazy idea of how perfect they ought to be. Mm. Um, yeah, and they yeah. they get into some of the, how that's rampant in the, the Asian world to a large extent. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's kind of an aside. Yeah, um, whenever I hear perfectionism thrown around, it's almost always is a bad thing for people who have it. And uh, I, I've always wished I had a little more of it. I'd like a little of it. Uh, you know, a little more of it would be good for me, but. Yeah, try not to suck cynism or something. That's what, that's what I got. I, you know, as long as I rise above, you know, embarrassing, I'm generally fairly happy with it. But, um, uh, and they also make the point that being okay with being bad at some things is great for your peace of mind. Says one therapist, when you refuse to do anything you're not great at, what you're telling yourself is that you're only okay if you're perfect. That's going to lead to a lot of pain in life. If you enjoy it, do it. Boy, not do it to, badly. Not to derail the conversation, or maybe it's a flip side of the same coin. But I D- derail away. I feel like I have more problem with my kids and encouraging them to do things they are good at. Because there are a few things that I seem to have some talent for that I wish I'd have pursued harder. Uh, because I, I have some ability at it and I, and I didn't like my, my one son's really good at drawing. He just has some natural artistic ability and I, sh- I have trouble convincing him this, you know, this is something, this is a gift. This is something you should work on. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's, that's a tough one. You can encourage certainly. Uh, you know, I have, you have a, to have a, a passion for something and if you don't have a passion for it. Yeah, exactly. I have a couple of friends who have sons who are gifted and actually a daughter too, in particular, gifted golfers and, uh, they're college scholarship type players. And, uh, my son, Declan was an incredibly gifted player. I mean, from the earliest age, but he has no real desire to practice and doesn't particularly like hardcore competition. He'd rather be your friend mm-hmm. than beat you. Um, he's just a very, very gentle spirit. So, you know, I, Hmm. Yeah, there's that. So, yeah. So I've told the story before. He came to me after a couple of years of high school golf uh, that he did pretty damn well in. And he said, Dad, I think I just want to play this game for fun. And I said, Son, you're no son of mine. <laughs> exactly. You're out of the will. And you changed his name. 
Yeah, <laughs> to Isaac <laughs> with two S's. Um, <laughs> if you if you've been listening this whole hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but I, I had to accept the fact that he's very different from me. Mm-hmm. I always responded to setbacks with "I'm going to try harder" and "I'm going to come back and beat you," and it would consume me. And he's just a very different spirit. Yeah. Um, so you kind of I got to let them find their own way. <sighs> It's great to have a passion for something, but you either have it or you don't. You can't create that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you find it. I have a, I have a passion for radio and have since I was a teenager. Um, I just do. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't not practice playing the guitar or something if I wanted. It'd make me miserable if I didn't practice. You don't yeah. have to make me practice. I want to practice, but I didn't like choose that. I just, you have it. Or you right. don't. If you have a great mentor, maybe they can help you find that within. You know, speaking of music, uh, this is a, a lay me down on the therapist couch. You know, um, and, and opinions will differ because taste in music differs, but uh, some of the stuff we did with the Dead Flowers, I'll listen back to it, and I am shocked at how great it is. Not that I was great or the songs I wrote were great, but the playing and the production, and it just sounds so good, and it's discouraged me from doing music. Because I feel like I don't know if I can ever be that good again. Hmm. Um, and and uh, and I saw this article and I thought, you know, the visual arts thing. I may take a hack at it because I love uh, art, like painting and stuff like that. I love taking throw, it in, but I'm always terrible at it. Throw in the smock, get the beret, stand out there in your backyard looking at a flower oh, bush. Needless to say, needless to say. Uh, but I need to, I need to just make music because it gives me joy and not worry if it equals what I've done before. That's irrelevant. So. Uh, so the other part about m- m- doing something that challenges your brain. So is the what basically happens is the brain say, you know, months, years go by, you're not really challenging, and your brain says, oh, I guess they don't need us anymore. And the brain cells say, head on out. I guess nobody needs us around here anymore. You know, that's an interesting way to phrase it. But yeah, that's clearly true. An interesting, childish, like you're talking to a five year old way to phrase it. But yeah. Right. Um, and if you maybe can, your brain is just a lazy ass, huh? And if you continue to challenge it with new things, it's saying, hey, yeah, hey, got another job for us, everybody. Gather around. Right. Shut it up. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Chewing in an The Armstrong and Getty Show. I tweeted out a picture of me at a restaurant the other day. It was, it's a very um, well-respected new sushi place. But I've found that the more well-respected the sushi place is, the less I like it. So I guess I'm not a real sushi fan. Hmm. I, I like, I, I think I kind of like dumbed down a little bit sushi. The super, it smells like bait sushi stuff that is usually more expensive and well-respected yes. not really my thing you're a grocery store sushi guy well, that's on brand i i do eat <laughs> grocery store sushi i prefer restaurant sushi but not ah. the super fishy bait stuff hmm. anyway huh this place had a robot first place restaurant i've been to that had a robot going around with a uh, flat head, dad owns a liquor store, that old joke, but, um. Shimini. <laughs> you know, I considered making reference to that old joke in past because I have some restraint. <laughs> the robot, it looked like R2D2 with a flat head and, and it brought around drinks and entrees and stuff like that. And I, I guess that's the future or something like that. Alex actually worked at a restaurant where they had the monkey butler or the, the, the it's restaurant a robot, robot. But that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Rest, robot, get, monkey, whatever. I get monkey yeah. butlers and restaurant robots mixed up all the time. One of them will give you the pox, the other won't. So <laughs> how well did the restaurant robot work out? The restaurant you worked at? It's now out by the dumpster. We despised it because I could stand there talking to a table, waiting a bar, and up comes this plucky little R2-D2 with the flat face, and it can't get by me. It sensors, sense my very large posterior, it can't get around me, so it starts making a sound, get whatever obstruction is out of the way. It just, it didn't work the right way. We finally unplugged it. We put it out back out of its misery. Hmm. So uh, my commentary yesterday was it seemed to me to be more of a novelty than a help at this point. It was just it was kind of cool and everybody got their phones out and videotaped it. But it it certainly didn't just looking at it seem like it was more efficient than. Of course, you don't have to pay it. You don't have to give it any health care. You can call it by any pronoun you want. It's not going to complain. It's slower than a human, though. It, it trucks along and, yeah, yeah, get your food or drink eventually. But if I've got yeah. 14 tables, this thing running entrees to one of them isn't going to help. 
I was just going to say, not to establish my down-to-earthy cred or anything like that, but both my wife and I have worked in food service. We have worked in retail. uh, We have worked in sweaty, hard jobs that give you big arms, but you're exhausted at the end of the day. Um, And if you watch a good waiter, a good busser in action, they can accomplish so much so quickly. The idea that some little novelty R2-D2 is going to deliver anything, that's just ridiculous. But we're seeing kind of the first generation of it, right? I had the first generation Roomba, and it sucked. It was way more work to set up your house Mm -hmm. to use the Roomba than to use the Roomba. But I understand the more recent generations are pretty good, and I just wonder if that's going to happen with the uh, the monkey butler here. Robot. Yeah, there are no monkeys here, Jack. I don't... When you go to the zoo with your kids, do you say, look, a robot, when you're at the freaking monkey cage? Just I don't I don't get a you. robot starts throwing its feces at you. That um, would be odd. Uh, so, but it was, but it was a pretty cool novelty. I'm guessing, right? Did the the customers liked it? The customers loved it. They'd take photos out because yeah. it, it, we gave it a name. It was Rita because um, this place happened to be known for margaritas. Mm-hmm. So, a it, Mexican woman's name, nice, you, great. I'm going straight to HR with that one. Good. Didn't have any pronouns <laughs> that I know of, but uh, it would sing happy birthday to you at a table and bring out the dessert. So that's something that we didn't have to do. And I'll let you know as a server, we don't really want to sing happy birthday to you, oh. uh, but we do I hate to pull back the curtain too much, but we don't. <laughs> I, I never did. As a diner, I don't want it sung at me. And as somebody in the dining room, I don't want to hear it sung at somebody else. Can we end this? Can we have a national referendum, please, of the whole singing happy birthday oh, in a restaurant? I thing? half a dozen times have had people had birthdays sung to them when it wasn't their birthday. Just to embarrass them. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I gotta go grab five coworkers to come sing yeah. you happy birthday. It takes us away from what we're doing. It only Slow really service. Down. Only really counts if you put a sombrero on their head. Really make a spectacle out of it. <laughs> then you know it's sincere, right? The well, sombrero to me is the hat of sincerity. So you unplugged R two D two Rita, and now she is out in the out uh, by the dumpster. Okay. I assume she's waiting for the bus to take her to the next restaurant where they will gladly accept her. Well, yep. uh, like mocking a lot of new technology, though, um, it clearly is not ready for prime time, just like the Roomba, but it is coming, and it will be. It will, and and this pisses me off, it doesn't have to be as good as servers, to Joe's argument, because they won't care. You know, every effing business I call used to be a human being would answer and treat me well. But that is as dead as the dinosaur, and no company cares, and they use their stupid AI system that says, I'm sorry, did you say you wanted accounts? No, I didn't effing say I wanted accounts, you bastard! (laughs) Oh, oh my God, the explosive anger. They don't work very well, but they keep using them, and that's what's going to happen with the robots. So eventually the robots will be cheaper than hiring Alex. And um and we'll have one, and every restaurant will have one, and, and uh, it'll just be the way it was, and service will get suckier. It's like my I was telling my son about gas stations. They're suckier than they used to be. You used to go to the gas station, and somebody would come out and uh, check the oil and uh, your, the air in your tires and be nice to you and clean your windows, and you had a little conversation and say, hey, I'm hearing a weird sound. You might want to mind if I look at that? And that's gone. That's gone. Yeah. Things are worse. Things just keep getting worse. The end. <laughs> wow, folks. Come for the rage, stay for the inability to differentiate robots from monkeys. It's just it's a tough work environment, I tell you. And, and the nihilism. Uh, young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer, well done, Alex. And speaking of uh, producers of the Armstrong and Getty Show, long-time listeners might be uh, slightly amused or touched to know I had a text exchange with Positive Sean 
around the final, final episode of Better Call Saul. Mm. It was delightful to chat, at least in print, uh, with the lad, and he, he says he's doing great, so that's nice to hear. And I, you know, honestly, I miss our conversations about, oh, yeah. you know, Better Call Saul, and Absolutely. he was an avid, avid consumer of popular culture, and uh, and, and a, just a really pleasant dude in a lot of ways. But, so anyway, he says, hey. But tell me I'm wrong, because I don't think I am. Robot butlers won't be as good as humans, but that's what we'll get. Just like calling yeah. customer service. Yeah, it'll be worse but cheaper. Yeah, maybe. And we'll all just get used to it. And the next generation won't remember anything any different. Just like Alex probably has never, you know, called customer service and had uh, a human being answer the phone and treat you nice because you just, you know, the next generation gets used to everything sucking. Again, yeah. my nihilism and rage, mm-hmm. and can't tell monkeys from com- mm. computers. <laughs> Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.